With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And welcome in, everybody, to this week's episode of Future Brew right here on MazeandBrew.com. I am Vaughn Lozon. Joining me today, my partner in crime, my co-host per usual, John Simmons. John, how are you doing on this lovely Monday evening that we are recording on? I'm doing well, recovering from a signing day. Yeah, it was it was a long day for uh, all of us at uh, Maze and Brew. We had multiple people step up, uh, yourself included, John, to assist in the coverage there. And uh, if you checked us out uh, last week uh, during the early signing period for the 22 class, we greatly appreciate it. It was uh, a lot of work on the back end from us, just pre-writing a lot of all those uh, commitment posts for Darius Clemens and Keon Sab and uh, Deion Walker. I mean, all those guys. I mean, we had pretty much all of them written up uh, days in advance. So it, it was a lot of, a lot of work and a lot of time and effort into that. And then, uh, you know, keeping up uh, the tracker and everything. It was. It was a lot of work, but it was good, and I always love doing it, and I know you do too, John, and, and everybody else uh, pitching in um, at Maze and Brew, being able to keep up with everything and make everything flow as, as well as it could have. So uh, thank you very much if you were a part of all of that. Uh, we do really appreciate it. So we're going to kind of dive back into the 22 class a little bit to begin the podcast, and we'll talk about the 23s later on. Uh, but want to first start off with this class right now. So they've got um, pretty much everybody already signed up, uh, signed their letter of intent last week. Um, the only guy that has not is Cavante Henry. So we're not going to talk about him, 
Uh, we talked about him uh, in our last podcast. So if you want to go check that out, uh, go right ahead. But we're going to talk about the early enrollees in this 22 class and the guys that are expected to be on campus uh, January, uh, the beginning of January. I want to say it's January 6th was what uh, Jaden Denigal had told me a few weeks back when I was asking him. So it's going to be the very beginning of January when most of these kids are going to be able to get on campus, get enrolled in the classes and get everything going there and actually become student athletes at the University of Michigan. These other guys will have to wait until the summer. Usually they come in uh, mid-year is what they call them. Usually uh, July uh, is around the time that they would come in. Uh, So these are the guys that are going to be on campus first and foremost. So I will kind of just break all these guys down, talk about them a little bit, and we'll go from there. So, I mean, right at the top, John, five-star cornerback, Will Johnson. Uh, he's the highest-ranked player in Michigan's class uh, at number 20 overall, number four at his position, and uh, the top-ranked player in the state of Michigan for this cycle. The 22 cycle uh, had been committed to Michigan for – a very, very long time at this point, and he never wavered from that commitment. Um, he He's all signed up, so he's going to be on campus uh, beginning in January. Could very well be um, taking part in some team practices uh, for the Orange Bowl, which would be uh, really cool, a good opportunity for him uh, to compete against uh, all the wide receivers and everybody that he would be covering. Um, a really good opportunity there uh, if he's able to do that. Uh, I, I don't personally have that confirmed, but that's just what has been uh, talked about uh, over the last week or so since he signed his letter of intent. So really good, John, to get Will Johnson uh, on campus as soon as possible, get his feet wet, and then potentially uh, as soon as next year be a part of uh, this defensive backfield for Michigan. Yeah, I think he has, uh, one of, is one of the more likely guys to play early. At Michigan, I think he can jump into the uh, defensive back rotation pretty much uh, from the first game next fall. So I think it's awesome that he gets to go and practice uh, with them for bull prep. Um, And I think, you know, being a local kid, son of a Wolverine himself, I think he understands what it takes. And I think, you know, he's been a leader throughout the class. So I think it's great that he's kind of chomping at the bit and can't wait to, to start shooting up for Michigan and, and improving himself and uh, hoping to get on the field as early as possible. Yeah, if there's any guy in this class that I think will get on the field incredibly fast, I think it will be Will Johnson, not only because he's very talented, but it comes at a position of need uh, for Michigan. Who knows what Vince Gray is going to do? Who knows what Jamon Green is going to do? I, you would imagine that DJ Turner will probably stick around after a good, I would say, second half of the 21 season. Uh, but Jamon Green, who knows with him? Vince Gray, I think, has played really well to where he could potentially look at going to the NFL. He wouldn't be a high pick by any means. He'd probably be a mid-round guy, uh, anywhere from you know five to undrafted free agent. But You know, I mean, how much more could you possibly improve your draft status? Uh, You've been in Michigan for so long. So I I think Vince Gray is going to have a decision to make. And if he does, I I think regardless, Will Johnson will probably see the field very early and often um, in his freshman season. But another guy who's going to be enrolling early, who is also a member of Michigan's incredible defensive backfield class, is Keon Sab, uh, who committed, signed with Michigan last Wednesday on 
uh, the first day of the early signing period. He is a top 100 overall player. He sits at number 94 overall, uh, number nine at the position. He is 6'2", 200 pounds, played his high school football at IMG Academy. Really like this kid. They've been recruiting him for a really, really long time, had committed to Clemson, and then backed out of that commitment once Brent Venables uh, left Clemson and took the head coaching job at Oklahoma. Um, he, even before he was uh, decommitted from Clemson, had still uh, been eyeing Michigan quite often, has still uh, in, in communication with their head coaches or with the head coach and with uh, the uh, assistant coaches and took a visit uh, for the Ohio state game as well. So uh, another prospect, John, that I really like, and it'll be interesting to see how he develops, but I think he, uh, if he's able to find a solidified role uh, in Michigan's defense, I think he could be a really solid player too. So it's good to get him on campus uh, early uh, for this, uh, uh, for his uh, freshman year and, and get his feet wet and, you know, see where things go with him too. Yeah, I think the staff is really, really high on Sab. I think they've liked him a bunch all throughout the cycle. So I think they're excited to get him on campus. I think he could really contribute on special teams early um, and fight for the, the starting safety spot that Brad Hawkins left open. Um, but, you know, they Michigan did have two young safeties in RJ Moten and uh, Rod Morrissey a lot of time this year. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. It is going to be interesting because you would imagine that Dax Hill might leave early for the draft as well. So it's really going to open the door for a lot of these guys. And they've got a lot of talented guys already on campus. But then you throw in a guy like Keon Sab and then Zeke Barry, um, who will not be an early enrollee, but he's a guy that I'm really high on as well. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think the secondary as a whole has ever been as strong uh, under Jim Harbaugh as it, as it is now. You could maybe argue the class uh, that, um, or the team that had uh, some of the other guys like David Long and uh, Lavert Hill, some of those other guys. But I mean, as a whole, this secondary is just, it's really deep. Uh, The depth is just insane. So let's move to another position where the depth is uh, very good. And this position here kind of went from a potential weakness to a great strength. And that is the wide receiver position. Uh, They're going to be getting Tyler Morris and uh, Darius Clemens, four stars, and then three star, a wide receiver, Amorian Walker uh, to be early enrollees as well. So, I mean, there, there isn't a whole lot to say about Darius Clemens. I love the guy. If you've been listening to my uh, to this podcast and and been reading the recruiting articles on Mason Brute, you know I love this guy. He's 6'3", 205, runs a 4.37 40-yard dash time. Jim Harbaugh even said on uh, the podcast with uh, John Jansen that uh, the comparison for Darius Clemens is Nico Collins. So uh, I'll, I'll let you guys uh, t- take over with the imagination of seeing uh, 50-50 balls uh, in the very near future with Darius Clemens. Uh, Tyler Morris was a former top 100 guy, uh, but is now at 115. He tore his ACL. He's still working back from that. Um, he is definitely more of the uh, Ronnie Bell or Roman Wilson kind of wide receiver. He's six foot, 175 pounds, really like his potential as well. Has really good hands and uh, good speed, good route running as well. And then Amorian Walker uh, committed, flipped from Notre Dame 
and committed with Michigan, signed with Michigan on the first day of that early signing period last week. He's 6'4", 175 pounds. He's got a mix of size and speed as well. So, yeah, this receiver class here, John, like I said, kind of turned uh, a weakness into a strength with getting Clemens and Morgan Walker on that first day of this uh, early signing period. Really like that all three of these guys are going to be able to come in, immediately start playing uh, or fighting for playing time, practicing. I mean, everything all in here. I, I like all three of these guys for different reasons, but uh, a lot of potential with this group, John. Yeah, and what's interesting is Michigan isn't really set to lose any of their current receivers on the roster. You know, maybe Dalen Baldwin doesn't uh, take his COVID year and leaves after the season, but really everyone else has remaining eligibility, and I can't really see any of the draft-eligible guys leaving right now. So uh, it's going to be a crowded room, a really talented room with a lot of proven guys, and then three new um freshmen here that are also you know really highly touted um in the recruiting world so uh there's going to be i think a big battle and a lot to sort out through spring practice and then uh fall camp before we uh see before they all see the field um at the start of next season and i'm interested to see you know how the pecking order shapes out if any of these guys can crack the rotation early on or you know if guys become favorites or not so we'll see yeah, I, I like, like I said, I like all three of these guys. I don't really see any of the wide receivers leaving either. Ronnie Bell has already been confirmed to come back for next season. Yeah, Baldwin was really the one guy that I was thinking of too, John. I think you kind of nailed it there. Who who knows if he ends up coming back? Um, it would be good for a depth uh, situation for sure, just because that's kind of the role that he's played all season long. Hasn't really uh, carved out a huge role for himself, but when you've got guys like Cornelius Johnson and Roman Wilson, AJ Henning, uh, Andrell Anthony, it's kind of hard to do that. And you're just going to make it a little bit more tough with these three guys coming in uh, all very talented wide receivers. So I I'm ecstatic that uh, they all get to do that. Um, another pass catcher that uh, is going to be enrolling early in this 22 class for Michigan is Colson Loveland, the four-star tight end from Idaho. And I really like this kid's potential as well. He's 6'5", 230. Uh, he is number 343 on the composite. And my just my personal feeling, I think he's still too low because he was a three-star at one point, has now crossed over to four-star territory. I think he's still underrated uh, ranking-wise. And I think the reason that they still have him as low as they do is because of the competition that he plays out in Idaho at number 343. He's the top ranked player in his state. It's not a football hotbed by any means, but uh, I, I really like his potential. He definitely has some work to do um, developing uh, his skills in the blocking department, but as a pass catcher, I, he was just mossing kids in Idaho, like all senior season long. And I, <laughs> I, I would just absolutely love to see that uh, with him in the maize and blue. So uh, the tight end position at Michigan has always been really good. They've got a couple really good guys right now. And Eric all and Luke Schoonmaker, who will uh, more than likely be back next season. Um, and then you've got a few guys behind him. Uh, but I really like Colston Loveland's potential. Give it like two or three years and he'll probably break out at some point, John. Yeah, I think enrolling him early will be uh, important for him adjusting to the level of competition, you know, coming from Idaho where there's 
not a lot of Michigan quality players out there. So, you know, getting the pads on with, uh, you know, the team I think is going to help him there and uh, get him prepared for the season. Yeah, definitely. And you bring up a really good point as to why it's important for him to enroll early. The fact that the competition level in Idaho isn't on par with some of these other guys that are enrolling early, like Will Johnson. I mean, Michigan, the competition level in Michigan is, is, you know, it's, it's not fantastic. It's good, but it's definitely much higher than it is in Idaho. So I think you're right. I think it's huge for him too. Uh, I, and like I said, I really like his potential, you know, give it a couple of years for him and uh, he'll probably be a guy to look out for as a breakout candidate. Uh, maybe his sophomores, junior season, somewhere in that department. A uh, couple defensive backs that we should talk about as well, who are going to be enrolling early Cody Jones, the uh, four star from Tennessee. He was uh, uh, kind of, I don't know. It, like, I don't know if he was on the verge of decommitting and going somewhere else, but he was at least keeping his options open because he was uh, being uh, heavily pursued by Tennessee. He had taken a visit there, I believe. And I want to say he visited Illinois on at least one occasion as well, but he stuck with this commitment with Michigan signed last week and uh, is going to be enrolling early. He's a very versatile player. He is five foot 11, 175 pounds. He could play anywhere from cornerback to nickel to safety. Uh, He really could play anywhere in the secondary. And then the other defensive back that we should note is three-star cornerback Miles Pollard, who, uh, it, in my opinion, at least one of the more underrated guys in Michigan's class as of right now, because he's still kind of underranked in my opinion too. He's number 581 on the composite. He's 6'2", 185. Uh, he is from Brentwood, Tennessee, uh, which is uh, where uh, Junior Colson uh, hails from as well. So they're going to be reunited as teammates, but really like his potential at the cornerback spot, uh, being able to be a lockdown duo with Will Johnson in the future is definitely a possibility. So uh, again, John, a couple guys here who bring a different skill set to the secondary individually, but two really good players. And I think Cody Jones could also be a uh, pretty good return specialist, uh, whether it's putt returning or kick returning, because he's got some speed to boot. So two uh, definitely highly talented players in the secondary also enrolling in uh, enrolling early here, John. Yeah, uh, they're both pretty talented. I think uh, you're right about Pollard and that he's pretty underrated. Um, but I like that Kling scale really liked him. Um, you know, he's done such a great job of the secondary in just one season. So it's good to get some extra grooming in with these two guys. Um, you know, Will Johnson's kind of the headliner of this class, as he should be as a five-star uh, kid, top 20 in the country. But um, these two guys are also uh, pretty quality players. And I think, you know, you see how hard Michigan fought to keep Jones in the class um, away from like Tennessee and Illinois. Um, so I think they really like his potential as well. So I think he'd be one to keep out keep an eye out for too, since he can play so many different positions in the secondary. The lone defensive lineman enrolling early for Michigan this year is four-star Mason Graham, who has really risen the rankings um, over the months since he really broke out his senior season. He absolutely killed it. Um, and, and I really like his potential as well. He's six four two ninety five 295 from Anaheim, California is uh, number 353 overall 
on the composite, which is uh, uh, much improved from where he was at originally. Um, I, I, it doesn't have the exact ranking on 24-7's website, but he was ranked as low as an 84, which is uh, a, a three-star. He's an 89 now, uh, so he's uh, right right there in four-star range. So really like him and was definitely a great find by Courtney Morgan uh, during his time at Michigan because it was if it wasn't for him, Michigan probably wouldn't have scouted him, probably wouldn't have offered him, probably wouldn't have landed him in this class. So uh, a guy that I think is um, one of those sneaky guys who could see the field uh, early in his career. And I, I, I don't mean that in the sense that, you know, he's, he's, you know, a, uh, not one of the top players in Michigan's class ranking wise. Like, you know, you could just go to the top of the rankings and say, yeah, well, Johnson's going to play early. Derek Moore is going to play early Keon Sab, but you go down a little bit, Mason Graham, just from a positional standpoint and the stats that he was putting up in high school this season were just incredible. All of the tackles for loss that he was compiling and uh, mix in the fact that uh, he was also a wrestler and our uh, former colleague, Stephen Ossentoski would love that fact uh, for a defensive lineman. And I do too, just from a whole hand technique and balance standpoint, I think it's important. So yeah, Mason Graham is certainly going to be one of those guys to look out for uh, in the very near future. I, I wouldn't count out him contributing his true freshman season, John. Yeah. It's pretty rare that defensive linemen can contribute in their first year, but I think Graham could be an exception because he plays, you know, in one of the top high school leagues in the country is going against top competition week in and week out and dominating them. So I think the adjustment will be easier, you know, kind of on the flip side of Colston Loveland there. So, um, you know, this, this off season workouts, you know, shaping his body up, getting through spring practice, I think will be a big help. And yeah, I could see him getting in um, late in games or in the rotation uh, early in the 22 season. Yeah. And you've seen it from, Rayshon Benny as a true freshman in a couple games. And I believe George Rooks has played in a couple games this year as well. So Mike McDonald and Sean Nua, they're definitely not opposed to playing true freshman along the defensive line. So he's certainly one to look out for. I, I think he, I would say he has a better shot of playing early than Derek Moore does uh, at, because uh, he just brings a different skill set at 6'4, 250. But Mason Graham, um, I really like what he brings to the table. Wouldn't be shocked at all if uh, he saw the playing field early and often. So let's flip over to the offensive side of the ball now and talk about the two quarterbacks in Michigan's class because they are both expected to be enrolled early at the University of Michigan. And let's start with Jaden Denigal. He committed first to Michigan. He committed back over the summer had a good workout in front of Jim Harbaugh and the other coaches uh, over the summer in Ann Arbor and uh, received his offer and uh, pretty much committed right there. And then uh, he is 6'4", 215. Um, I really like his potential uh, just from a pure passing standpoint. He's not much of a runner. He, he can, don't get me wrong, he, he's got some speed to him but he's not going to be like J.J. McCarthy running down the field blocking for Blake Corm for a 67-yard touchdown uh, like J.J. did in, in the Big Ten Championship game. He's more of a, a pure pocket passer, but can escape the pocket when needed, uh, much like Cade McNamara. And then Alex Orgy, 
the uh, three-star quarterback as well, flipped from Virginia Tech to Michigan on the first day of the early signing period. He's from the state of Texas at 6'2", 226. He definitely has speed at the quarterback position and is probably more of a dual threat than any quarterback Michigan has really recruited under Jim Harbaugh. I, 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 I don't know. Dylan McCaffrey was really fast too, but he, I don't know. I feel like orgy is one of those other guys that, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say Lamar Jackson, but uh, I guess I just did. So uh, he is definitely more versatile in that department than Denigal is. Through for 2,064 yards and 28 touchdowns uh, this past season uh, in uh, his for his senior season in high school. And then also ran for 1,187 yards and 24 touchdowns. So he is... Uh, uh, quite the versatile player, as you can say. That's just the definition of dual threat. So, yeah, John, I mean, getting both the quarterbacks on campus early, I, I think is definitely a good thing, especially for, uh, in my opinion, at least, Jaden Denigal, who's probably going to have to pick up uh, some more assets in his game at the quarterback position uh, if he wants to really ever see the playing field and uh, contribute at Michigan, but definitely both uh, enrolling early and definitely good to have both of them doing so. Yeah. Basically in this day and age, the quarterback of every recruiting class pretty much always early enrolls. Um, I think actually Cade McNamara was the last guy that didn't for Michigan. Um, so, uh, you know, it's pretty much a given at this point. They, they always come in to learn the playbook and try to get a jump start and see where they land in the, the depth chart. Um, so it's good that they're both getting in on campus and is uh, pretty much expected. Uh, so, yeah, it's quite, uh, I think it's good that Michigan kind of cleared the spot, kept a spot open for Orjai because he um, was, you know, a late addition, kind of came on late, but it's good that they're still able to get him in early. And the last player who's going to be enrolling early at Michigan is the lowest ranked player in Michigan's class. But honestly, I really like his potential at left tackle. And that's three-star offensive lineman, Connor Jones. Uh, He committed to Michigan all the way back on Christmas Eve of last year and was really one of the key recruiters uh, from the recruits in this 22 class, along with Will Johnson, a few other guys. Um, you know, he's still going after Josh Connerly to this day. We'll see if his work pays off in February, but, uh, at six, seven, two eighty five, I would imagine Connor Jones will probably play left tackle or tackle of some sort at the very least, uh, when he gets on campus, but yeah, always great to have offensive linemen get enrolled early as well, just so you can get a head start on the strength and conditioning, uh, the nutrition and all of that stuff, because it is so important for offensive linemen, probably more important than any other position, uh, in my opinion, maybe, maybe defensive linemen as well, but having that for the O linemen, uh, definitely a key, um, it, key in their development and everything that goes along with all of that. So good to have him on campus, uh, this January as well. Yep. You nailed on the head. O linemen. It's always good to get them in as early as possible and start uh, getting them in the strength program. It'd be nice if Lorenzetti could come in too, but those, you know, elite prep schools out in Connecticut and stuff are usually hard to uh, leave a semester early. So uh, getting Jones in is a good start for him. 
Yeah, interesting enough, um, you know, with these early enrollees, the one position that is uh, not there is linebacker, and Michigan's got <laughs> got a few of them in this class. Jimmy Rolder being the, the late rising uh, recruit there, the four-star from Chicago, he's not going to be enrolling early, uh, and, and neither will uh, uh, Micah Pollard. Uh, at 6'3", 200 from Jacksonville, three-star, and neither will do Spurlock at uh, 6'2", 200, three-star from Alabama. So one of those position groups that I really like, uh, and just, you know, oddly enough, none of them are going to be enrolling early, but that's just kind of how the the cookie crumbles sometimes. So, um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, I, I think this this class of, uh, of football players coming in early, I think it's a really really good for them to be able to get that. And, uh, you know, we'll see if Will Johnson is able to practice uh, with the team for Orange Bowl preps would be great for him. Uh, but overall, I really like the uh, potential for a lot of these guys. I think they're all uh, uh, worthy of uh, getting early playing time. So a- any final thoughts on any of these guys, John, before we move on? Uh, no, not really, except uh, Rolder's a really good baseball player. So I'm guessing he wants his final season <laughs> Yeah, uh, there to kind of rack up some stats before he leaves uh, high school. Although Harbaugh apparently is trying to get him to play baseball, at Michigan still. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he does end up uh, end up playing both. Uh, Joey Velasquez, obviously, um, being the the more recent player to play both football and baseball, and uh, yeah, Froder lives up to his potential on the diamond as well. Perhaps he uh, plays both at U of M. And I would imagine that's probably the uh, main reason why he's not enrolling early. Uh, You bring up that great point there, but uh, we will flip over to the 2023 class and talk about some top targets early on, uh, on the other side of the break. So stick around. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by better help. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist. And if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. And welcome back, everybody, to our second part of the podcast here. We are going to go over to the junior class, the 2023 guys who Michigan is going after pretty heavily early on. I know it's 2023. These guys aren't even seniors in high school yet, but I think it's important to get uh, their names in your heads now if you're a recruiting buff like John and I are. Um, you know, th- this is the future of the program here. So, um, you know, s- sit tight because you're probably going to uh, familiarize yourself with a lot of these players. So uh, John was ever so kind to whip up a, a top 10 targets list um, for the 2023 recruiting class. 
uh, earlier. Um, uh, this was last week. This was posted. So you can go to mazeandbrew.com and find this entire list. One guy that you will not be finding on this list uh, who actually committed to a different program today was uh, Dylan Senda, the in-state three-star offensive lineman, played at uh, Divine Child, which is where Aiden Hutchinson uh, played his high school football. He uh, committed to Northwestern over Michigan and Michigan State. So, I mean, at least he didn't go to East Lansing uh, to play his football. But uh, 6'5", 275, I I thought he had some pretty nice potential as an interior offensive lineman. And uh, he's listed as a three-star now, but he's on the verge, I would say, of four-star status. He's in like the mid to high 300, so he could work his way to being a four-star. Michigan doesn't have any offensive linemen committed in the 23 class at this point. So we'll just talk briefly about him, John. But um, definitely a swing and miss on Michigan's part. Uh, They were recruiting him. They did offer him. It was a legitimate offer. And there were crystal balls in for Michigan uh, before he committed to Northwestern. So, I mean, uh, no other way to say it other than they had to just move on and, and draw this one up as an L. Yeah, it seems like Northwestern does this to one offensive lineman that Michigan likes every year. Um, it was Josh Preby in 2020, Caleb Tiernan last cycle, and now it's uh, Senda this year. Um, you know, Kurt Anderson is their offensive line coach, who is a Michigan guy, um, played here uh, in Ann Arbor. So, um, you know, he, he knows the area really well, and I think he does a good job of as a coach. Uh, for Northwestern so you know he's always kind of get, getting back at them uh, you know it's not the level of Deion Sanders getting Travis Hunter from Florida State but it is still kind of annoying um, but because you know send it is a good player for sure um, but you know there's it's still very early in the cycle and Michigan has lots of targets but you know they can't afford to keep losing out at their their early targets um, over and over because that seems to be a theme even before Sharon Moore that Warner as coach here too, you know, it was kind of a, just one by one, all their top targets choose somewhere else. And, and uh, Michigan is left with kind of their play in B's and C's. So it'd be nice to wrap up um, some of the guys that they really like early on this year. Yeah, it really would be uh, at the offensive line position. You're right. It does seem like they kind of swing and miss on a few of these guys more often than you would like. And uh you know, may, maybe things will be different this time around. I mean, they've got several offensive linemen on the top of their board for this 23 class, and, and we'll talk about one of them uh, later on. But uh, let's just start right at the top and uh, talk right uh, about Dante Moore, the uh, five-star QB from uh, Detroit, and uh, is certainly just number one overall on the board. I don't think you can really debate that. I think he's clear-cut the highest of priorities for this 23 class. He is uh, a a highly talented player uh, at the quarterback position. He is uh, 6'2". He's 195, number eight on the composite, number one player in the state of Michigan, and uh, number three at the quarterback position. So uh, really, like I said, I, I can't stress enough how high of a priority he is in this class because the other players in this class um or I should say players in this recruitment other than Michigan are uh, Notre Dame Penn State Michigan State so you're going up against a few uh, rivals in the Big Ten and then also with Notre Dame 
So again, I cannot state it enough. I mean, top priority just with the position, with him being an in-state guy, with him being as highly talented as he is, if they don't get him in the class, uh, it's it, all bets are off pretty much. I mean, you got to hit the the emergency land button. You got to hit the uh, uh, you got you got to do everything you can pretty much to lock him in. So um, anything, I mean, get him the greatest NIL deal of all time, uh, whatever that is. So, uh, John, I don't know if you feel similar to me. I would imagine you probably do. Uh, but I'll let you take the floor with Dante Moore here. Yeah, he's uh, pretty much a must-get for the class. Michigan's really putting all their eggs in this basket. He's the only quarterback they've offered um, in the class. I think that's still uncommitted, so um, they're really going after him hard, and I think this season is exactly what they needed to um, maintain their standing in the race. You know, Moore grew up as an Ohio State fan, so uh, there's nothing the Buckeyes would love more is to steal, you know, a generational talent from Michigan's backyard. Um, but I think beating them and winning the big 10 championship is going to go a long way here. And uh, if Michigan eventually wants to land him, they're going to have to keep recruiting him hard every contacting him every day, whatever it takes. Yeah. I, and I know early on, it was very important for him to establish a relationship with quarterback coach, Matt Weiss, which he definitely has done. So so I would anticipate him being a major factor uh, if he does choose Michigan. And then obviously Jim Harbaugh and everybody else recruiting him. I mean, they should um, have an all-hands-on-deck situation uh, from the coaches, get get everybody involved in this one because you, you can't have too many guys uh, in his ears saying uh, to go to Michigan. So, yeah, he, he's priority number one, two, three, and four. So um, we'll move on here on your list here, John and uh, go to probably one of the freakiest athletes in this uh, 2023 class. And he's finally uh, kind of moved up in the rankings because I don't think he was a five-star until semi-recently. But uh, that is Nicholas Harbour, who is uh, uh, listed as an athlete. So he he can play either tight end or defensive end, uh, whatever the coaches would want him to. But he's 6'5", 225. Uh, from Washington, D.C., plays for Archbishop Carroll, um, number 29 on the composite, number one in D.C., the number three athlete in the class. Michigan's going to be going up against Penn State, Oklahoma, uh, Maryland, also a, a major player here, and uh, Oregon is also listed as warm on his profile. He's got some crazy speed uh, at 6'5", 225. He ran a, a 10.38 100-meter dash time. 21.36, 200-meter. Uh, that was uh, his sophomore season, it looks like here. Um, didn't play a whole lot because of um, uh, COVID the last year, but uh, he was tight end, wide receiver, and a defensive end. Um, I mean, he can pretty much play uh, anywhere, it really seems like, whether it's outside linebacker or just straight on the line at defensive end. Um, it, the potential here is just off the charts, John, and I, I love him as a prospect and he would certainly be a welcome addition to this class. I would put him at defensive end. Um, if I were uh, the coaches, I, I think they could probably get away with, um, having some other players, uh, be at tight end or wide receiver or what, wherever. I, I think they've already got the guys there. I, I, I really think that if he's versatile like this, it, his 
best bet um, to really succeed would be along the defensive line. Uh, but I'm interested to hear what you would say, John, where would you put him, and how highly are you uh, um, if, for his potential and, and Michigan going after him too? Yeah, I agree. I think he could really be a difference maker at defensive end compared to wide receiver or tight end. I just think that type of uh, speed and athleticism at his size coming off the edge would just be absolutely terrifying. And I think really have the chance to change the game for Michigan. So um, yeah, Harbor is, you know, the type of athlete that's deciding if he wants to try to qualify for the Olympics or play football at the next level. So, um, you know, it's good Michigan or uh, his track coach is a Michigan law grad. um, So she's really uh, in Michigan's corner from what it sounds like, which is really good for, for them. Um, they're able to get him up on a visit this uh, during the season. Um, and I think uh, the Oklahoma staff change, I think helps uh, Michigan here as well as one of the top contenders. So um, I think they're doing well early on, but I think every school of the country is going to be after him sooner or later. Yeah. I mean, he's just an insane athlete. Um yeah, I really like his potential at defensive end. I, I think if you get a guy like that who can play both sides of the ball, it, I usually end up sticking those crazy, awesome athletes uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, with him at 6'5", 225, yeah, I mean, the the possibilities are endless there. Um, really like him as a player. Uh, moving on, though, I, I really like this guy as well. Five-star wide receiver, uh, Jalen Brown, who is uh, – also very fast. I mean, he's uh, not really as fast as uh, Harbor, which is, is hard to believe. Harbor ran a 10.38, 100 meter. Uh, Jalen Brown at 6'1", 170, ran a 10.66. Um, so put that into perspective for Harbor. But uh, going back to Brown here, uh, 6'1", 170, he's from Miami. Uh, so Miami is definitely going to be a factor in this recruitment as well. Uh, Florida State is also uh, one of the top contenders for him. A really nice player, uh, John, one of the top wide receiver prospects that Michigan is going after, and uh, rightfully so because his uh, wide receiver mentor is uh, this guy. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but Desmond Howard, um, (laughs) coincidentally enough. So he's probably getting the talk from him all the time about how he should go to Michigan. And uh, obviously would be a very good choice. Uh, Jalen Brown, great player, um, would definitely be one of the top guys in Michigan's class if he chose to commit. Really like his potential uh, at the wide receiver position, John. I think he's a really nice player. Yeah, I think he's Michigan's top guy, wide receiver. Um, He'd be great to pull up from Florida. Um, I think it's going to be tough to overcome the new uh, head coaches down there at Miami and Florida, but... Um, I think Michigan has built a really solid foundation here. Um, they're going to have to keep chipping away, though. It's going to be hard for me to think that he, uh, even if he commits to Michigan early, I think it'll be one that they'll have to take up the signing day just with how Florida recruitments can go sometimes. Yeah, they've been wild over the years, man. I mean, even the last two recruitments, uh, recruiting cycles, Damani Dent uh, with his kind of, uh, you know, having the two hats alongside Michigan, and then uh, uh, Jaden McBurrow's uh, last recruiting cycle. So you never know. And Jaden Hood, too. Um, moving on from uh, one player with a Michigan connection to a player with absolutely zero Michigan connections and lives in the state of Ohio, 
So it's already a tough hill to climb, but we're going to talk about Luke Montgomery anyways, because he is certainly one of Michigan's top overall targets, I would say, in this class. He is a four-star talent, plays both offensive and defensive line, but they're mainly recruiting him to play offensive line. Uh, because Sharon Moore is the go-to recruiter here. He is a uh, 6'5", 260 from Findlay, Ohio, is uh, number 63 overall on the composite, the second-ranked player in his state, and the sixth-ranked offensive tackle. And lo and behold, there is an Ohio State crystal ball in. Uh, I wouldn't take it incredibly seriously, though, although I would take Ohio State's um, – uh, seriously in this recruitment because they're a major factor in this recruitment as are Clemson, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, just a few of the schools, a uh, few, few of the bigger schools uh, going after him. But he's been on Michigan's campus a handful of times. And I want to say that Michigan has also visited him in Ohio at one point, but um, it, it, this is going to be a really important one, John, because He's got a younger brother who plays quarterback. His name's Ryan. I believe he's in the 2025 class. So he's not going to be talked about a whole lot, um, but he's already uh, a big time recruit in his class. He's got the Michigan offer. He's got a Penn State offer as well. Um, So Luke, if he ends up going to Michigan, it would certainly help uh, with the recruitment of his brother. Um, But as far as Luke goes, um, really like his potential and his versatility. Definitely one of those players that if it doesn't work out along the offensive line, you can always try him out on the defensive line because he's just a great two-way player. He would probably be a top 100 player um, regardless of the position, whether it's on offense or defense. So again, one of those top guys that it's going to be a tough hill to climb because he's from Ohio and Ohio State's on him, but you got to give it a shot if you're Michigan. Yeah, that's basically it. I'm not going to be tough to believe he's leaving Ohio until he commits to Michigan um, and even then you know there will always be lurking in the back of your mind um, the one interesting thing to follow is if he wants to play offense or defense I think the word is he actually prefers defense but most schools I think only one school is recruiting him as a defensive line but most of them are recruiting him as an offensive lineman. yeah it, it is interesting um, you know because there was the debate with uh um, oh, who was it in the last cycle? Um, gosh, Rayshon I can't. Benny. Yes, it was Rayshon Benny. Thank you so much. Yeah, I totally blanked on that one. But yeah, Rayshon Benny. I mean, it, it was like every other school was going after him on offense or defense. It was like 50-50. It was, it was an insane split. Uh, but he's certainly one of those players. So yeah, I mean, if you take him and you try him out at one, you can certainly try him out at the other because he's just that good. Um, so yeah, we'll certainly see what happens there. Really interesting to see what happens with tech at Curtis as well. Um, he's a four-star linebacker, definitely one of Michigan's top targets overall in this 23 class, uh, from the state of Louisiana. So you wouldn't really expect Michigan to have much of a shot because he's from the state of Louisiana, but tech at Curtis is unlike any player who, who resides, uh, in Louisiana. He's 6'2, 218. Uh, number 64 overall on the composite, number five at his position, number five in the state of Louisiana. So, um, like I said, really interesting player. I really like him as a prospect, too. I think he could be a great middle linebacker for Mike McDonald uh, and George Hilo. Um, so, 
I, I say that he's unlike any prospect from his area uh, because it really seems like he wants to leave the area. Most of these kids, uh, they, they want to stick around, whether it's at LSU or go to one of the Florida schools or go to Alabama. Tackett Curtis is like, nah, I'm going to go to either Michigan or maybe even Wisconsin. It seems like Wisconsin is one of the leaders in this recruitment as well. So it, I don't know. He, he could end up in Big Ten territory. Uh, by the end of all of this. So really interested to see how this one goes, John. You don't see these very often. Yeah, it's very strange. Louisiana is one of the, you know, the toughest states to pull someone out of. Michigan got Maureen Walker this year, and it was the first player since 2010. So once a decade, they can usually get a guy out of there. Um, But yeah, Curtis, I think, really likes the Big Ten country for whatever reason. So um, I think he that it might be them versus Michigan, who knows, but it's another one like Montgomery where it's, uh, you know, you're always going to be a little wary until he commits and signs. Yeah. I mean, you certainly will. Um, who knows what's going to happen with that one, but like I said, very interested to see what happens and uh, we'll certainly be monitoring that one. Let's move on to the cornerback position and uh, go out West to uh Rainer beach, which, uh, You've probably become familiar with a little bit uh, with them because that is where Josh Connerly goes to school. He's in the 22 class, five-star offensive lineman, as does his 23 teammate, uh, Caleb Presley, at uh, six foot 180. He's number 82 on the composite, number eight at his position, number two player in the state of Washington. Um, Michigan really likes him, uh, and I want to say he visited for that Washington game earlier this season. So he's already been on campus. Uh, Michigan's already got a leg up in this one as well, but uh, definitely don't count out Washington. Now that Courtney Morgan's over there, great recruiter. And uh, he's also interested in Michigan state took a visit to East Lansing earlier this season as well. So at the very least, he seems pretty open to leaving the West coast. So you've already got that um, under your, uh, under your hat there or or a tip of the cap uh, for Michigan. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's certainly one of the top players at his position in his class. Already got him on campus. Already got him uh, in Michigan. Um, uh, got the interest there. And uh, Steve Klinkscale has been all over this guy. So uh, another really good player that uh, Michigan's going after here. Another top 100 talent. Yeah, I think he's another guy who likes uh, seems likely to leave his uh, home area. Um, visiting Michigan State during the season as well, um, which I don't think you see often. A guy from Washington visiting both Michigan uh, in-state schools in a season. So, yeah, definitely one to keep an eye on to to leave uh, the, the Pacific Northwest and come to Big Ten country. One of my favorite prospects in this class, and, and I have no idea why, um, but just based off potential alone, and uh, seeing the film and everything that I've seen so far, um, moving on to this next guy here, John, is uh, Andrew DePepe, the uh, four-star defensive lineman. He's from the state of Iowa, so you figure that Iowa will probably be a major factor in this recruitment as well. He is a 6'5", 230, so he definitely has some room to grow in that department uh, as far as strength and, and uh, getting his playing weight up, but he's at number 134 on the composite, number two in the state of Iowa, number 19 along the defensive line. Um, he has visited a couple times, I, I think, this season. He came up for that uh, 
Washington game as well. And then also for the Ohio State game. So uh, two really good games for him to visit for. Um, So you would imagine that Iowa will probably be uh, the biggest uh, competitor here uh, in this recruitment. But uh, if the Big Ten championship game has anything to say about it, uh, Michigan probably uh, has uh, at the very least uh, piqued his interest a little bit more after that. But uh, I want to say that uh, one of the I can't remember who it was, but I think one of the recruiting experts was saying how he thinks Michigan leads at this point which in my opinion is awesome. I I really like him as a prospect Uh, would definitely uh, be a nice compliment to what Michigan already has uh, in this class as well uh, with Joel Starlings uh, along the defensive line, the uh, four-star commit. So yeah, another prospect that I really like and another prospect that I hope they land, John. Yeah, I think uh, he's really high in Michigan. If you read the recruiting roundup that I'll have out on Tuesday. He's looking to visit Michigan again in uh, January. So um, I think he's highly interested in the Wolverines and they could wrap this one up early. Would be nice. I mean, like we were talking about earlier, it would be nice to get a few more of these guys uh, committed sooner rather than later. And they've already got four commits in this class, but you can never have too many too early. Another guy that I think could uh, commit uh, pretty early on as well in this class is Amir Herring at uh, uh, he's a four star at uh, number 205 overall of the number 10 interior offensive lineman number three in the state he's from West Bloomfield so tons of connections there and tons of crystal balls for Michigan so it really just seems like a matter of when not if and I believe he's looking to make his commitment in the summertime but I honestly wouldn't be shocked if he ended up moving that up uh, just with like I said, all the connections that he has within uh, the program. And uh, he's got a teammate, Samaj Morgan, a three-star wide receiver, also committed to Michigan. So, um, like I said, John, I mean, there's not really a whole lot to say here. Michigan's been recruiting him forever. And in, in my mind, it already kind of seems like he's a Michigan commit. Yeah, he, this is just one you kind of don't want to keep going on and on without him finally committing because we've seen that happen too often um, with a huge lead. Um, and no one really pursuing, and then he just doesn't commit, and another school comes in and takes him away. So I think that's something that needs to happen. Michigan has to close early or make him, uh, if he's a silent, make it his announcement public or something like that if they don't want to lose him. Yeah, you have to. I mean, look at what happened with Deion Walker this uh, 2021 recruit or 2022 recruiting cycle. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those guys that you just keep pushing for, and then, you just hope that he ends up making it uh, publicly announced at some point. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he was wanting to make it in the summertime. Wouldn't be shocked if it happens sooner. Uh, so we'll certainly see what happens with that one. And uh, the last two on the list are a couple of pass catchers here. Malik Elzey is a, a highly talented wide receiver from uh, Chicago, Illinois at 6'3", 198. Definitely um, uh, one of a taller downfield threats at the wide receiver position number 259 on the composite um not really a whole lot of competition right now for Malik Elzey but Notre Dame and Ole Miss are definitely uh the main ones here uh doesn't really have a ton of other uh crazy offers I mean Michigan State's on them uh but other than that it's it's really just a lot of uh mid-tier uh Big Ten schools Illinois Iowa Nebraska um, you know, Wisconsin has offered him as well. 
Uh, and then we'll talk about a th- the first three star on this list. I can't believe it took uh, this long, but that's what happens when you start winning games and big games is uh, three star tight end Deacon Tonielli, uh, also from the state of Illinois from Oswego, number 380 on the composite. He's 6'6, 215. And the main competition here, um, I would admit, I would say also kind of mid tier schools with uh, Minnesota and Iowa State, Tennessee also being in there as well. Uh, he certainly seems like one of the top tight end targets uh, for Michigan's 23 class. So um, it, we'll just wrap it up there with those two guys, John. I, I really like Elsie. I honestly haven't really seen a whole lot of stuff on Tony Ellie. Uh, but uh, as for Elsie, I, I really like his potential uh, in the wide receiver room at Michigan. Definitely a bigger bodied guy at 6'3", 198. Love his ability to go downfield and make good catches down the field. Um, and then Tony Alley, I'll, I'll let you take the wheel for him. Uh, but 6'6", 215, that's kind of what you look for at the tight end position. Um, so uh, w- what are your thoughts on those two guys, John? Yeah, these are two guys that I think uh, Michigan is a lot higher on than the ratings are. Um, even though, you know, Elsie's a composite four-star, but he's at the lower range, and Tony Alley is – at the higher range of the three-star, but they've been going after these guys for a while. They're LZ's first offer, and uh, Tony Ellie has been really interested in Michigan for a while. So I think um, these are two guys that Michigan would love to have in their class. Um, they may not be the highest rated right now, but I think um, the, I think that uh, Michigan has them as, as tier one guys on their, their own personal board. So uh, and I think they're both reciprocating interest really – strongly and it wouldn't shock me at all to see them both of them end up in the class uh by the time it's all said and done yeah i mean and and you make a good point about them kind of being um you know definitely on the lower rank side but michigan's still liking them especially with tony ellie being a three-star michigan's done a really good job identifying three-star t- tight ends and having them just come in and be absolute studs luke schoomaker has had a great season at the tight end position. Eric all was even like a low four star, wasn't a high ranked guy at all, but he's obviously been uh, a, a guy to uh, go to for Cade McNamara. So yeah, I, I think as far as the rankings go there, I wouldn't put too much stock into that. Michigan's done a really good job at a few positions, uh, tight end being one of them where they kind of just take the guys that they like and they end up uh, being studs down the road. So uh, really like all those guys, honestly, and they would pair up very nicely with the guys that Michigan already has uh, with Raylan Wilson, top 100, uh, four-star linebacker, Joel Starlings, a, a, a top 250 defensive lineman. Mentioned Samaj Morgan at the wide receiver position earlier than Adam Samaha, the kicker from Ann Arbor. Um, so they've got the number five ranked uh, class in this 2023 recruiting cycle. I, this might change though, John, I, I, I don't know if this is it just acted up for me, uh, but Adam Samaha is ranked 574th nationally. Is that right? I didn't even notice he got a composite. Probably just because they don't have as many guys ranked yet. It, kickers usually don't. Um, yeah. I, I find that odd. So Michigan currently at number five, um, as of me saying this right now, it, it'll probably change. I, I don't, I don't think Adam Samaha will finish this recruiting cycle ranked 574. Um, it's yeah, number he, one kicker. 
He's, he's the number 13 player in the state of Michigan. Um, out, uh, oddly enough, out of 13. Uh, it, it's just funny to see all of that. You, you don't usually see that on there. But um, but yeah, I, I, regardless of what the ranking is, they've got a really nice base of, of talent so far with those four guys. And uh, definitely excited to see who they end up adding uh, in this 23 class. So any other final thoughts from you, my friend, uh, before we uh, sign off here? Nope. I'm all set. All right. Well, I appreciate you, John. I appreciate everybody out there for tuning in to another edition of Future Brew. You can follow me on Twitter at Vaughn underscore Lozon. And John, where are you at, buddy? At Simmons underscore John. And follow Maze and Brew, Twitter, Facebook, Insta. We're there. Uh, you, you can find us just at Maze and Brew. Uh, give us all five-star reviews for all our podcasts. We would certainly appreciate that. Uh, check out our stuff on YouTube as well. Uh, posting some podcasts on there from the blue by 90 guys and uh, brewcast as well. And uh, yeah, we certainly appreciate you uh, tuning back in to future brew for John Simmons. I am Vaughn Lozon. We will talk to you guys next week and go blue.